It's Wednesday, June 21st. Do you know what day it is? It's today in sports betting. Hello and welcome to Today in Sports Betting. I'm your host, Doug Reed. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Reed 34. Happy to get any DMs, questions, thoughts, comments you have. Also, if you haven't already, please go to our website, sportsethos.com, and check out uh, our information. Our packages are litany of podcasts, articles, information on every pro sport, many other sports, and whether you're into wagering DFS or fantasy sports, we've got you covered. We are absolutely exploding. NFL is going to be a huge year for us coming soon. Uh, the NBA draft coming tomorrow night. Lots of interesting stuff there. Check us out at sportsethos.com. Guarantee you'll find something you're like to your liking if you're a sports fan. So before we get started on the 15-game MLB card, do a little walk down this day in history. Today, some birthdays for you. Rick Sutcliffe, longtime Major League Baseball player, turned 67. Frank Vogel, uh, NFL, uh, NBA coach uh, of many years, uh, turns 50 today. Richard Jefferson, oh, Jefferson a longtime NBA player, uh, is 43. And Scotty Scheffler, very good golfer, turns 27, definitely in the prime of his career. A few interesting notes on this date, June 21st in history, 1939, Lou Gehrig retired from baseball after being diagnosed with ALS, a disease that uh, is often referred to as Lou Gehrig's disease. Very sad day to talk about uh, for Lou Gehrig and sufferers of that disease, but it was this day in 1939 that he retired from baseball. 1970, uh, Brazil and Pele, one of the greatest soccer players ever, became the first uh, team and the first player to win three World Cups. 1986, Bo Jackson, who I will admit was one of my, probably one of my favorite players in the history of sports. Uh, career cut way too short in the NFL for the uh, Oakland Raiders and for the Kansas City Royals in baseball uh, by injuries. It would have been great to see what he could have done. I mean, he was a Hall of Famer in either sport if he had played a full career. But he signed a three-year contract with the Kansas City Royals on this day in 1986. 1988, in the NBA, the Lakers defeated the Detroit Pistons 4-3 to win uh, the title. In 1991, in the NHL, Dennis Potvin and Mike Bossy were inducted in the Hall of Fame. Two fantastic players in the dynasty of the Islanders uh, that they had in the, uh, in the 70s and early 80s. In 2012, Miami beat Oklahoma City 121-106 in Game 5 to win their second straight NBA championship, and LeBron James won his second straight MVP. In 2018, DeAndre Ayton was the number one pick to the Phoenix Suns. The much maligned, I would say, uh, DeAndre Ayton, but number one overall five years ago. And in 2019, the next year in the NHL, Jack Hughes went number one to the New Jersey Devils, who has turned into an absolute star in the NHL, and I think he's going to have a great career ahead of him. So, interesting day. Uh, on to Major League Baseball. We start in Miami, where the Jays continue their series. Jays off, fresh off a 2 nothing win over Miami. Uh, send Kevin Gossman, their ace, Gossman to the hill, the righty. And Miami counts to their ace, Sandy Alcantara, who's not pitched like an ace, um, but has definitely 
underperformed what his numbers say. So he should be doing better, but he has really struggled. I don't really have a play in this game. Uh, the Jays come in minus 130 favorites. You can get the home Marlins plus 110. Total here is seven. Juice to the over at minus 115. If anything, I'd be on the over. I think the Jays' bats can get to the struggling uh, Al- Alcantara. But as I'll talk, I'll show you in a second, his numbers look worse than what they probably should be. And Gosman's just been fantastic for Toronto. Gosman comes in 92 and two-thirds innings, 3.01 ERA, 1.13 whip. When you dig a little deeper, um, 3.6 expected ERA but a 2.74 FIP. And he actually has a BABIP, a batting average on balls in play of 326. Uh, so he's actually been unfortunate in that sense. And it seems to be the norm for him. The, bat, the average BABIP in Major League Baseball is 297. So he is well above that, but he's still pitching fantastic. Alcantara from Miami comes in 88 and two-thirds innings, 4.97 ERA, 1.22 WHIP, just 72 strikeouts. He's never been a big strikeout guy, but he's usually around a strikeout in inning. And this coming off a Cy Young um, award-winning season last year. So he has struggled with 4.97 area, but his expected area 4.23 and his FIP 3.88. So he has definitely uh, underperformed his numbers, but he has been struggling. And I just think Jay's bats obviously are better. Well, not obviously. I think Jay's bats are stronger and better than Miami's. Gossman's pitching better than Alcantara, but I'm not sure I can back the Jays at minus 130. I'm debating that. If this number gets any better, down to minus 120, minus 115, I don't think it will. Uh, but if it did, I would probably look to back the Jays. I'm going to take a quick break, um, fill up my glass of water here, and when we come back, we will hit the rest of the diamonds in the majors. Welcome back. We had to do an AL East battle in Tampa where the Rays continued their series against the Orioles. Taz Bradley on the hill for the Rays and Tyler Wells for the Orioles. You can get the home Rays at minus 150 in the money line. The road owes a plus 130. Totally is eight, just to the over at minus 120. But I think I would actually probably lean to the under. Uh, when I look at money coming in, most of the money is coming in, in the over. 79% of the bets, 85% of the money on the over. Uh, but I think this is a decent pitcher's matchup. You can get the Rays on the run line at plus 135, and that seems to be where most of the money is going on this. 69% of the bets and 85% of the money on the Rays at plus 135. I like the Rays to win this, but I can't back them at minus 150. So I look, I may look to the um, Rays run line. Wells comes in 81 and two-thirds innings, 3.2 ERA, and a, uh, 82 strikeouts and .86 whip. He's been doing very well. However, when you dig a little deeper, 3.2 ERA, expected ERA 3.47, and a FIP of 4.44. So has been outperforming his numbers. But he has a BABIP of 191. That is an incredible number. And that is incredible luck. Again, the average BABIP in Major League Baseball is 297. So the average batting average against is 297. He's giving up two, uh, 191 and going against a very tough uh, Rays lineup. Taz Bradley, the young righty for Tampa, comes in just 43 innings, 4.19 ERA, 1.3 whip. And when you look at his numbers, uh, he's actually underperformed. 4.19 ERA, but expected ERA of 3.35 and a FIP of 2.67. In the flip side, he's given up a battle of 363. So he's been very much a victim of bad luck, which is why I think I like Tampa here on the run line. Not on it yet, plus 135 on DraftKings. But uh, may look at that uh, closer to game time because I think the Rays should win. And if Wells 
Wells is definitely due for some negative regression. And Baltimore is not the team that you want to experience that against. And if they do, I think Baltimore can get, get them for some runs. So the run line, if anything, is the only play that I would look at here. Next game, 12-35 in the East. I apologize. Those um, first two games were 12-10 in the East. The Pirates host the Cubs to continue their series. And the home Pirates, this basically is a coin flip, minus 110 on either side. You have Rich Hill on the hill for the Pirates and Kyle Hendricks for the Cubbies. Two veteran pitchers. Total is 8.5, juice to the under, uh, minus 115. And not really sure I can go on either side of that. Um, I think these guys are probably due for some regression. The only real um, big money where uh, – interesting money where uh, – interesting point where I see money coming in is on the Cubbies run line at minus 1.5. I see 57% of the bets, 83% of the money. When I look at what these guys have been doing, Kyle Hendricks was injured to start the year, the righty, but he's back for uh, a number of starts, 81 or pardon me, 28 in the third innings, 3.1 ADRA, and a 1.06 whip, just six walks and 16 strikeouts. So doing his Kyle Hendricks thing, not walking a lot of guys and not striking out a lot of guys. However, his expected ERA is 4.53, his ERA is 3.18, and his FIP is 3.38. So some negative regression probably do there, and he's only going to be giving up a 256 Babbitt, uh, Babbitt. I don't know why I'm on Babbitt a lot today, but uh, a few of these guys stand out to me. So I think Hendricks is due for some regression. problem is I don't think it happens against uh, Pittsburgh, who has not really been doing all that well lately. Rich Hill, 77 in the third innings, 4.31 ERA, 1.4 whip, although he does have 29 strikeouts, uh, which is impressive. So the old lefty, the veteran lefty, pardon me, has been doing well um, deceiving pitchers, 8.38K per nine, uh, which is good, which is not great, but it's certainly good for for someone who um, people had written off a number of years ago. Comes in, with, as I said, with a 4.31 ERA, uh, but a 5.46 expected ERA and a 4.43 fit. So some regression potentially due there. And I just think that... Um, uh, well, looking at his BABIP, 305. So he's been giving up above league, league average. So I think Hendricks is due for some regression and Hill potentially as well. The problem is neither of these offenses are really clicking. And I don't want to back probably either team. So pretty much a stay away from me. A coin flip at minus 110 either way. But I think I would lean to the Cubs. Uh, I just think their bats are a little stronger than Pittsburgh. But uh, probably stay, it, it is a stay away as of right now for me. Not really sure which way to go. So I'm going to pass. We move to the AL Central at 1.10 p.m. where the Detroit Tigers uh, host the Royals. Each team has won one game in this series. You can get the home Tigers at minus 130 in the money line. The road Royals at plus 110. Total is 8.5. Juice to the over at minus 115. Matthew Boyd starts for the Tigers, the lefty, and Brady Singer, the righty, for Casey. Definitely not going to be a pitcher's matchup, in my opinion. Singer comes in 6'9 and two-thirds innings, 6.33 ERA, 1.61 whip. Yikes. His expected ERA is 5.94, and FIP is 4.47. So you can argue some uh, regression, positive regression is definitely due for Mr. Singer. Uh, and he's also given up a 352 Babbitt, well above league average. So uh, probably not as bad a pitcher as he has shown. And the Tigers against righties have a 227 average, 27th overall. A 301 on base percentage, 26th overall, and a just a 357 slugging, 29th overall. So 
they could be challenged to score. On the flip side, Matthew Boyd comes in 64 and a third innings, 5.60 ERA, 1.35 whip. When I look a little deeper, uh, his ER, expected ERA is 4.06 and his FIP is 4.57, so some positive regression due for him. And his BABIP is about 295, so not too far off league average. I think runs could be a premium here. And if anything, uh, this number open at nine, is moved down to eight and a half. I think if you can grab him eight and a half at uh, anywhere minus 110, minus 115 or better, I think I'd look to the under. Uh, I just think this could be a low-scoring game. Both offenses are struggling, obviously against the handedness of the pitcher they're facing, but just in general, they're struggling. And probably not going to be a lot of runs scored. I would look to the under, not on it yet, but I'm probably on the under of eight and a half in this game. Next game is at 12.36, or let's just back a little, 12.36 in the East. I skipped the Rockies and Reds, not available on DraftKings, but on FanDuel. We have the Reds at minus 114 and Colorado at, sorry, sorry, sorry. What am I looking at? That's the wrong line. We have Cincinnati at minus 240 and Colorado at plus 198. Total here is nine juice to the under at minus 115. You can get Cincinnati on the run line at minus 114. Don't think I'm going to take that. Definitely leading Cincinnati here, but can't get myself to laying that kind of line, uh, sorry, that kind of number on the run line. Trying to pull up their pitching. The pitching matchup here is for Colorado, their righty, Connor Siebold is on the hill. 56 and two-thirds, 5.88 ERA, 1.48 whip. Has not been doing well, to say the least. But his 5.88 ERA is matched by a 4.78 expected ERA and a 5.61 FIP. So maybe a little unlucky, uh, but has really struggled. And pitching in Cincinnati is not a good place to recover. The lefty on the hill for Cincinnati, Andrew Abbott, has done very well to start his career. Seven, just 17 two-thirds innings. It hasn't given up a run. 0.00 ERA, 1.08 whip. When we look a little deeper on his numbers, obviously it's going to be a little worse. Zero ERA, but an expected ERA of 4.20, expect uh, and a FIP of 3.45, only giving up a 200 bat, uh, Babbitt uh, batting average in balls in play. So uh, nobody's going to sustain a 200 Babbitt. But what's interesting, and this is, I think, why the, the Reds are favored. The Reds are hot, doing well, but against lefties, Colorado is hitting 231, 26th in the league. On base percentage, 287th, worst in the league. And slugging 364, 28th in the league. Flip that to the other side. Against righties, Cincinnati is hitting 251, 17th in the league. 333 on base, which is 6th. And the 395 uh, slugging, which is 17th. So uh, a good on base. Um, batting average and slugging are slightly below average. But Seabold is a probably a below average pitcher. So... Those, mat, those numbers work well. Against lefties, this is a crazy stat. Um, Colorado has a WRC plus of just 61. That's a tough number to get to. So um, just pulling this up. They are, I think, 10 points below uh, the next best team, the next worst team as far and far, as, far as uh, oh, my, number, my computer isn't helping me here. Um, 
The six, 61, so they are 39% below uh, league average in w, weighted runs created plus. Yeah, there we go. 71. The next worst is Milwaukee. Sorry, Colorado's at 61. The next worst against lefties is Milwaukee at 77. 16% better. And Milwaukee, if you listen to my podcast before, Milwaukee struggling. I almost always fade Milwaukee against lefties. Above them is Minnesota at 83, almost fade. Always fade Minnesota against lefties. Colorado is 61 WRC+. plus. That is terrible. In the last month, uh, as a team, their WRC plus is 81, which is not good either. Against righties, uh, Cincinnati's WRC plus is 91. So 9% below league average, but much more respectable than Colorado's. And in the last month, their WRC plus is 106 in general, Cincinnati. They've always been playing better. Uh, I've got some young call-ups, including um, Ellie Dela Cruz and... Jonathan India, the second-year player, third-year player, I guess now, is uh, second-year player, is playing very well. Offense has been coming around. I like them here. I can't lay minus 240. There's no way I'm laying minus 240 uh, with the Reds. And Abbott is a young pitcher. He's pitched well, uh, for sure, but nobody's going to have a zero ERA in it with a Babbitt for what I say, 200. Uh, regression is due. Might not come tomorrow against Colorado. The under nine... Um, in Cincinnati, it's really tough these days to take that kind of number. But if anything, I would lean to the under. It's at minus 115 SCN FanDuel. So I might lean the under here, but the game is to stay away from me. I like Cincinnati. Can't lay that kind of number. Just way too big. Next game, 210 in the East. Would the Houston Astros host the New York Mets? You can get the home Astros minus 155 on the money line. Throw, excuse me, the road Mets plus 135. Total here is 8.5 minus 110 on both sides. And you can get the Strohs at plus 135 on the run line, which is probably the play. I don't really want to lay minus 155. For the Mets, ready, Tyler McGill starts 69 innings, 4.83 area, 1.61 whip. Been probably a little fortunate. 5.82 ERA, expected ERA, so a full point worse, but in a 5.05 FIP. Giving up a BABIP of 322. So that could regress a little, but uh, is ERA, expected ERA and FIP indicators uh, indicate that he's been a little bit lucky. And I've never been a huge fan of McGill, so I'm not really sure he can limit Houston, although Houston's offense is struggling. On the flip side, Javier comes in uh, 80 and two thirds innings, 2.90 ERA, 1.04 whips, just 19 walks, which certainly helps. Now, his numbers also indicate some negative regression. 2.90 ERA, but a 4.03 expected ERA and a 3.59 FIP. The thing with Javier, and I watched him meltdown against Jays earlier this year, is uh, he can be cruising along, and he doesn't tend to go deep in games. But if he gets a few walks, he gets a couple hits, he tends to get rattled. And it's, it, it, it's an odd comment to make about a professional player, especially a pitcher. But he seems to get rattled. If he missed a couple of calls, he just... Uh, he gets, for lack of a better explanation, he gets worked up. And I think the Mets batters have the experience to maybe potentially try and play off that. But I like the Strohs here. Not at minus 155. More of a thing, but I'm not laying uh, a run line for them. I like plus 135, obviously. But um, he's just too much wild card for me. And I think this game could be close. So not really going to be on either side here.
Next game, 210 in the East. Milwaukee Brewers host the Arizona Diamondbacks. You can get the Road D-backs at minus 145. And the home brewers at plus 125. Total here is eight, juiced evenly at minus 110 on both sides. And I think this actually should be a good pitching matchup. Zach Allen, the righty on the bump for Arizona, 91 to 30 innings, eight and two records, so quite impressive. 2.96 ERA, 1.13 whip, dig a little deeper, and maybe some negative regression. Uh, expected ERA is 3.84, but his FIP is 2.46. And he's been giving up 322 BABIP. So, been a little unlucky there. Uh, Julio Tehran is just 13 to 30 innings, 1.78 ERA, 0.82 whip. Just given four, up four walks, but only 20 strikeouts. And kind of small sample size, but the veteran has um, definitely outperformed his underlying numbers 1.78. ERA, but expected ERA of 3.13 and a FIP of 3.74. So likely some regression coming there. I like uh, Arizona here. Don't like them at minus 145 necessarily on the run line. They're plus 115. Maybe there. When I look at what these teams have done against righties, uh, if you've listened to my show recently, you definitely know Arizona is a team I've been backing with some success, so they lost tonight. Um Against righties, their average is 265, third best in the majors, 334 on base, fifth best, and a 450 slugging, fourth best. So very impressive with a WRC plus against righties of 110, which is seventh best in the majors. Conversely, Milwaukee against righties. Milwaukee is brutal against lefties, but they're not a whole lot better against righties. 232 average, which is 24th in the majors, 309 on base percentage, 25th. And a 384 slugging, which is 21st. So not getting to righties. I don't think they get to Gallon. Another interesting stat is when you look at the K percentage. So against righties, the K percentage is 19.2%, which is third best. So uh, Tehran's, only, Tehran's only got 20 strikeouts in 30 and a third innings. I'm going to imagine his strikeout prop will come in at about three and a half, four, maybe probably wouldn't touch that. But the flip side of that is Milwaukee has a 24.7% K percentage against righties, which is the 27th worst in the majors. Now, Milwaukee only strikes out an average of eight points, which is 26 best. So they don't strike out a lot, but they are striking out more against righties. So it would be interesting to see what gallon, I don't have a gallon uh, strikeout prop right now. But he struck out 191 in a third inning. So it's probably going to come out at, oh, I'm going to say seven, seven and a half. Might be worth looking at. If, if, if it's below that, definitely worth looking at. If it's eight, eight and a half, eh, probably not. Uh, the question is how deep can he go? If he can go seven or eight innings, um, strike out an inning kind of guy. And Milwaukee strikes out a fair bit against righties. He can probably get there. But when I look at his last few outings, uh, his last game against Cleveland, seven innings, seven strikeouts, which is a decent number. Prior to that, five and two-thirds at Detroit, just five strikeouts. Six innings at Atlanta, six strikeouts. Obviously a very good hitting team. Uh, at home versus Colorado, six innings, seven strikeouts. Prior to that, at Philly, five and two-thirds, uh, three strikeouts. So he's not really going deep into games. Went seven innings last game, but prior to that, he hadn't gone more than uh, – he'd gone five and two-thirds, six innings, six innings, five and two-thirds, three and two-thirds. So 
The question is, how deep can he go? If his, if his strikeout prop is probably, like I said, I don't know, seven, seven and a half or above, maybe stay away. But if you want to get a little gutsy, if it's, it's juiced decently, you know, minus 110, minus 105, plus money, eh, probably not a bad option. I, you know, I, I think he could go deep in this game. Milwaukee's struggling against righties. And if Gallagher can get to seven innings, does he get to seven, seven and a half strikeouts? Maybe. Might be something worth looking at. But other than that, not really on the game. D-backs, run line, plus 115, probably the way to go. Uh, I think Tehran's in for some uh, negative regression. And Gallon's been pitching well. And Milwaukee struggles against righties, so that might be a look. Beck is a little higher. Ideally, if it gets to, like, minus 125, I don't think it will. But if it gets – sorry, sorry. If it gets to plus 125, the D-backs run line, that may be a play. Probably won't move that much um, by Wednesday. But look at that and maybe look at a strikeout prop for Gallon. Next game, 405 in the East. We have St. Louis continuing their series against in Washington against Nationals. You can get their own cards at minus 165 in the money line. The home Nats plus 140 here. Total is 9, minus 110 on both sides. And you can get the cards Run line at minus 105. Not really sure I'm going to be on that. I like St. Louis here, but the numbers just don't really add up. Miles Michaelis is on the bump, the righty for St. Louis. 86 and two-thirds, 4.36 ERA, 1.36 whip. Dig a little deeper. Expected ERA, 5.18. So some regression definitely in line. But his FIP is 4.01. So maybe not so much regression is due. Trevor Williams on Washington, the righty, 70 innings, 4.50 ERA, 1.41 whip. Dig a little deeper on him, and definitely some regression due. 5.42 expected ERA, so almost about 0.9%, almost 1% difference, and a 5.45 FIP. Uh, he has definitely struggled against, uh, sorry, he's definitely struggled, and some regression should be due. When I look at the WRC plus of these two teams against righties, uh, St. Louis has actually been doing fairly well. Uh, 108 WRC plus, so 8% above league average against righties. And Washington way down at 86, which is the number 27. So fourth worst team against righties. I like St. Louis. I like their bats. I should like their bats, but they've been so con- inconsistent all year long. Not laying minus 165, and I'm not laying uh, a negative run line here. So don't really have a play in this game, which seems to be the trend for the day. But uh, I can't really get I, – I, I, I like Michaelis here, definitely over Williams, but not with those numbers. So probably going to be a play on this game. We head to the NL East for the next game where the Atlanta Braves are in Philly to face Philly, 640 in the East. The Phillies are the home favorites, minus 125. You can get the Braves at plus 105. Total here is nine, juicy under, minus 120. And should be an interesting pitching matchup, to say the least. The Phillies send their uh, veteran Aaron Nola, and the Braves send their young guy, A.J. Smith-Shower. Shower. Shower. Sorry. A.J. Smith-Shower. Do the hill. Two righties. Uh, Smith Schauber comes in with 13 to third innings, just 2.03 ERA, 0.98 whip. 
Digging a little deeper on his numbers, 2.65 expected ERA and a 4.48 whip. Hard to really say when you've only pitched three games, I think it is, uh, what your metrics or numbers really should be. So uh, he's looked good. Only has 7.43 strikeouts per nine, which is not all that impressive. And a 200 Babbitt, which is indication of a lot of luck. So good-looking young prospect. Doesn't strike out a lot of batters. And that could be a problem against Philadelphia. On the flip side, Nola comes in 94 and two-thirds innings, 4.66 ERA, 1.10 whip. Expected ERA of 3.65 and a 4.17 fifth. So some positive regression is a, should be in line for Aaron Nola. Now, I like Nola versus Smith Schauver um, a fair bit, but I like the Atlanta Bats versus Philly Bats more. So, Hard to get a grasp on this game. I am seeing money coming in on the Atlanta money line, 51% of the bets, but a very large 84% of the money coming in. And also on the under at nine, where it currently stands, and that's why it's juiced to the under minus 120, 61% of the bets, but 93% of the money. So I'm not really sure I back that because I think Philly can get to um, Smith Schauver. But I also think Atlanta can get to Philly, so could be some runs scored there. When I looked a little deeper versus righties, uh, both teams hit righties really well. Philly hits righties better, uh, batting average 266, which is second overall, and Atlanta's 259, which is seventh overall. On base percentage 336 for Philly, which is second overall again, and a 333 uh, on base for Atlanta, which is seventh overall again. Uh, but then the slugging, it switches 417 slugging for Philadelphia, which is 13th best against righties, and a 456, which is the best in all of baseball against righties, um, Atlanta's slugging. So Smith Schauber allowed two home runs against Colorado in his last outing. Had two really, pretty good starts at Arizona, um, actually in relief, sorry. He's pitched three times, two starts at Arizona, two and a third innings in relief. Um, no runs, a walk, and three strikeouts. Then he went against Washington, five and a thirds, three hits, two runs, but no run runs, two walks, and two strikeouts. Then he pitched against Colorado, a weak offense, a five and two thirds, six hits, three run runs, a walk, and six strikeouts, and two home runs allowed. So I'm not really sure, although his numbers look good, I'm not really sure um, that he is all that major league ready to be brutally honest. So as much as I would like to want to take Atlanta plus money with the Braves, one of the best teams in baseball, um, I just can't really get behind him because I think he could get lit up by Philly. Maybe look to a Philly team total. The total for the game is nine. I'm going to say uh, Phillies are the favorites. And their, their team total maybe four and a half, five. That could be an angle to look at because um, I think they could get to him early and put up some runs. So not on the game, would look to a Phillies team total if it's four and a half, um, anywhere in the minus 120, minus 130 range. If it gets to five, not really sure, but that's probably the only angle I can really look at here. We head to the Bronx at 7.05 p.m. The Yankees host to the Mariners for the next game. You can get the Road Mariners at minus 170. When were the Mariners last minus 170 in New York? Well, it was when Aaron Judge wasn't, I'm not really sure when it was, but with Aaron Judge not in the lineup and the Yankees struggling, that's what we get. 
Johnny Brito on the hill for the Yankees at plus 145. Castillo on the bump for the Mariners, minus 170. Total here is 7.5. Obviously, a pitcher's duel expected, minus 110 on both sides. You can get the favored Mariners at plus 100 on the run line. For Seattle, they send their ace righty, Luis Castillo, to the hill. Only a four and five record, 82 and a third innings, uh, 98 strikeouts, very impressive, 2.73 ERA and a 1.02 whip. Now his expected ERA is 3.47 and his fit 3.27. So um, some regression expected, 263 BABIP. So he's been getting fairly lucky there. The thing is, he's going against the Yankees and they're depleted the lineup. So I'm not really sure regressions would be expected tonight. Johnny Brito on the other side for the Yankees, three and three. 40 and a third innings, 5.58 ERA, uh, 18 walks and just 30 strikeouts, which is why he has a 1.49 uh, whip with those too many strikeouts. 5.82 ERA and a 5.54 whip. So pitching basically in line with his underlying metrics. And Seattle has woken up a little, but their offense is struggling. Both these teams struggle against righties. And... Um, when I look at their triple slash line against righties, the Yankees are 233 batting average, 294 on base percentage, and 419 slugging. So that 233 is the 23rd in baseball. I'm just going to sort by their on base percentage because that 294 is actually shocked by that. That is brutal. 28th in baseball, third worst team against righties, and with a 414 slugging percentage. That puts them definitely middle of the pack, number 14 overall. So they are not hitting well, not getting on base. But Seattle's not doing a whole lot better. The 223 batting average, as I said, where does that put them? 223 batting average puts them down near the bottom. Not quite the worst, the third worst. A 310 on base percentage, which is better than the Yankees, but still brutal. Not brutal, but... uh, 23rd overall, and a 375 slugging against righties puts them 26th overall. So neither team has been generating any offense. Castillo's a better pitcher than Brito for sure. Can't lay minus 170 with anybody in New York. 7.5 total. Not really sure I won't lead to the under, but uh, the way the Yankees lineup's hitting, uh, uh, lineup's been hitting lately. When I look at where the money's coming, the money is coming in the Yankees and the money line, 48% of the bets, but 83% of the money. Um, and it's also coming in the under, 43% of the bets and 93% of the money. So but I think I do lean with the money and I lean to the under, but 7.5 is a pretty tight number for a ball game, especially in New York uh, with the little band box and the short right field uh, wall. So not really sure I can back either side here. Next game, 7-10 in the East, we go to Cleveland, where the Guardians are hosting the Athletics. And a very interesting game to handicap here, because Cleveland sends Gavin Williams to his Major League debut. So hats off to Cleveland. They seem to know how to do this right, sending a young pitcher against the weak offense in Oakland. Um, Another team recently had one of their young prospects came up. I think it was Cincinnati, and he pitched against, like, the Dodgers or, or, or a really good offense team, which just blew me away. You're going to bring a young prospect up. Yeah, I know it depends on injuries and timing, but send him out against a at home against a weaker competition so at least he has some ability to have some, some success. 
Anyways, the Guardians come in minus 175 on the money line favorites. The A's plus 150. Total here's 8.5. Choose to the over at minus 115. And what's interesting is Paul Blackburn on the bump, the righty for Oakland, has actually pitched pretty well uh, this year. Came back late from injury. So started late from injury. Uh, 22, 20 and two-thirds in his 3.48 ERA, 1.35 whip. So really not a huge sample size to tell much about his numbers, but his expected area is 3.16 and a 3.33 FIP. So he's actually underperformed his underlying numbers, but, and he does have a 339 BABIP against. So uh, expected to, should be some positive regression in line there. And that's why, if anything, I would back the A's here at plus 150. We all know they've been doing better lately. Um, They're not the juggernaut that's going to run the table and win the NL West, but they've been doing well lately. And Gavin Williams is still a minor league pitcher who has kind of struggled. Good prospect, started out hot, struggled his last four or five starts, uh, and they're calling him up because of injuries to the rotation. So there's no way I'm laying minus 175. There's no way with uh, Cleveland I'm laying plus 130 on the run line. So if anything, I think there's some value. Maybe on Oakland here, plus 150 might be my first Oakland bet of the year. But Blackburn's been pitching well. Uh, Cleveland is not a good offense against any team, but especially against righties. Not especially against righties, but against righties. I mean, they've been struggling all year long. So uh, happy to back Oakland against a pitcher in his major league debut uh, who has been kind of struggling in the monitor. So I think it'll be an Oakland plus 150, but not there yet. Second last game in the card, and second last because there are two games still off the board. Uh, The Dodgers are in L.A. to play the Angels, and that game is still going on as I record this. And San Francisco is in San Diego again on Wednesday night, but no lines in those games yet. So we'll head to Minnesota, where the Twins host the Red Sox. You can get the home Twins at minus 130 in the money line. The Road Sox at plus 110. Total here is 8, juice to the over at minus 120. So obviously money's coming in on the over. And I'm not sure this is a pitching matchup, the pitching matchup that the number indicates with uh, the total only at eight. For the Red Sox, we have Reddy Garrett, Whitlock, 39 innings, 4.380 ERA, 1.23 up, just seven walks and 33 strikeouts. So doing a decent job, as he's always done uh, when he has been pitching in the majors. But, well, not but, but he is basically performing at what his numbers say, 4.5 expected ERA versus 4.38 ERA and a FIP of 4.2. However, he's only got a K per nine of 7.92, well below the league average of 8.74. So, um, and a BABIP of 3.15. So maybe a little bit unlucky there, but I'm not really sure that he is uh, all that I'm not sure he's all that great a pitcher, obviously, but he's going against Minnesota team, which is struggling, and their offense is struggling. So maybe not a lot of runs should be expected, but I think they can get to him. Flip side of that is Sonny Gray uh, comes in having a very good year, just four and one, oddly, but 76 innings, 2.37 ERA, 1.28 whip, 79 strikeouts in those 76 innings, 30 walks, which is a little high. But his indicators show he's been, I guess, a little lucky. Uh, 3.71 ERA versus 2.37, sorry, 3.71 expected ERA versus 2.37 ERA. However, his FIP is 2.56 and his BABIP is 3.16. So he's been giving up um, a higher BABIP than what should be expected. 
His K per nine is 9.36, so he is doing a good job striking out batters. And I just think Gray at home uh, is is the play. Minus 130, a little steep. I don't – Boston's looked good uh, in their trip to Minnesota so far. Uh, I don't like laying that much. If I can get this to minus 120, minus 125, I would be on Minnesota. Definitely not going to be on the run line at plus 150, as juicy a price as that is. Uh, it's a little high for me. When I look where the money's coming in, the money's coming in actually on the Red Sox um, money line. 49% of the bets, but 96% of the money is on the run line, or the money line for the Red Sox. That kind of surprised me. I just don't think with. Woodlock's a decent pitcher. Minnesota's offense is bad. Um, so I get that, but I just think Sonny Gray is much better pitcher and should be able to keep the Red Sox at bay. Be interesting to see what his strikeout prop comes out. If he comes out at like five, five and a half, I'd probably be on that because he's probably going to be going six plus innings. So I'd probably be on that strikeout prop. Looking at Minnesota. It gets below minus 130, better than minus 130. I'm probably on that game or uh, that prop. The final game on the board is in Chicago where the White Sox host Tex- the Texas Rangers, 8, 10 p.m. in the East. Basically a coin flip, minus 110 each way. Total here is 9.5, juice to the under, minus 115. When I look where the money's going, I see money going in on Tex- uh, on Chicago. On the money line, 70, 17% of the bets, but 61% of the money is going into Chicago money line. And also to the under, although it opened at 10, so it's down to, what did I say, 9.5. I also see 9 in the book that I'm looking at. 39% of the bets, 75% of the money is on the under. And I think I'd probably lean towards the under here as well. But I'm also leaning towards Texas. They have lefty Martin Perez on the hill, 71 to 30 innings, 4.54 ERA in a 1.5 whip. So not having a banner year. Had a decent year last year. Prior to that, did quite well. Um, but having a pretty average year this year. Expected ERA 4.91 to go with this 4.54 ERA and a 4.95 FIP. So obviously some regression, negative regression is expected. What the heck was that? Sorry about that. But uh, he's also been giving up a 317 BABIP. So been unlucky there. But he only has a 6.28K per nine. Well, well below the league average. So he's not striking out, putting too many balls in play. And the flip side is Michael Kopech for Chicago. Comes in 78 innings, 3.92 ERA, 1.27 whip, 89 strikeouts, which is impressive, and 39 walks, which is not impressive. And that's kind of been his Achilles heel his whole career. No, it's been a brief career, but his wildness. Because when he is on, he's been fantastic. However, he comes in 3.92 ERA, 4.08 expected ERA, and a 5.30 whip. So negative regression definitely in line. Comes in with a very good 10.27K per nine. And a very fortunate 247 BABIP. So he has been very lucky there. Um, I just like Texas bats against righties. They are the best hitting team as far as average, 267, 334 on base percentage, third best, and 453 slugging, third best. So they're, well, they're pretty much crushing everybody, but they're doing very well against righties. 
So I think they can get to Kopech. I think they can get to anybody and should be able to put up some runs. Minus 110, I saw the minus 108 both ways on FanDuel. So I'd definitely go there, but shop around a little because I think you can get a better number. And I'll be on the Rangers, I think, as long as it doesn't get above minus 110. Um, better team. I don't want to say a better pitcher, better starting pitcher, because when Kopech's on, he can be very good. But Texas just mashing everybody. So I'm leaning towards the Rangers. They're hot bats. Um, pitching matchup leans towards Chicago with Kopech, but I think Texas can get to anybody. So you know, I'm going to get if I can get them at minus 108, I'll take that. But if I can get any better, I will shop around and try and get a little better number. Uh, so. That is the wrap. Like I said, the Dodgers at Angels game is not on the board yet, and the Giants at – or uh, actually, I think it's San Diego at San Francisco game is not on the board yet either. So it will be interesting to see what those lines come out at. One final play uh, is in the NFL, and I put a couple features down on Dalvin Cook and what team he lands on. So the Minnesota – Vikings recently cut Cook, which surprised a number of people, but they're going with the younger Alexander Madison. And welcome to the world of being a running back. Uh, you are expendable before you are 30. And the numbers I got, um, when I pulled the DraftKings numbers, um, I put a third of a unit on each of these plays for Dalvin Cook's landing spot for next year. Miami Dolphins are the favorite, plus 125. So it's a bit of a hedge there. Buffalo Bills at plus 1,000. And where are they? The New, New England Patriots at plus 2,500. So I'm thinking, well, Buffalo definitely needs a running back. Rumors are he's going to Miami. So if I get that, it's a hedge. It's a bit of a loss. But if I can get the long shot, Buffalo at plus 1,000 or uh, basically 10 to 1, or if I can get 25 to 1 with the Pats, uh, I'm definitely covering and doing well there. So just a small third of a unit on each. The favorite is Miami at plus 125. Next is Denver at plus 600. The Jets at plus 700. And the Cowboys at plus 1,000. Go along with the Bears and the Bills at plus 1,000. So I don't think the Bears are going to make that move. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys, they got Pollard. I don't think they're going to make that move. I think the Jets have made enough moves. Uh, so I'm on the Bills because the Bills – our championship contender again. I just think they need a better running back. And maybe it's a structure. Maybe it's a system um, that running backs can't really succeed there. But I think if they added a running back, a real uh, a high-end running back like Cook, that would create a whole new dimension that they haven't had in the Josh Allen era and could relieve a little pressure from him. I mean, he's not really going to change his game a whole lot, but if he rushes a little less and you've got another option, you know, you get inside the five-yard line, five line or inside the three-yard line, and the option everybody knows is Josh Allen up the middle. Well, you know what? If you got Dalvin Cook there, uh, maybe you got a little better uh, chance of um, throwing the defense off, running a different few different plays. Regardless, what I'm getting at is Buffalo needs a running back, an elite running back, if they want to contend. And then the Pats, they're on, they're in the running for DeAndre Hopkins as well. And I just think that the way they operate, um, you never know what they're going to do. And if they add him, they could go from kind of an also-ran in the East to maybe contender. I don't know. But I just think it's a good number. I can't see, you know, 
the rate the the Ravens are plus twenty eight hundred. They're not good. They're not adding him. Cincinnati's at plus three thousand. The Bucks are plus thirty five hundred. He's not going to any of those teams. Maybe Cincinnati because he can contend for a title, but I don't think they're going to add the Chiefs plus two thousand. I don't see that either. The Browns obviously have good running back already at plus fifteen hundred. So, anyways, I think the Dolphins probably get him or the Bills. Um, so hedging my bets there. Not hedging with Buffalo, but I think at plus 1,000, 10 to 1, I'm quite happy if they got him. And I think that's the best landing spot, but rumor has it that the Dolphins seem to be the team in the best position. So plus 125, if I get that, I lose a little on the overall bet, but um, not too much. And if the Pats get him, it's a bit of a home run play at 25 to 1, but happy to get that as well. So hopefully enjoyed the show. Hopefully enjoyed the breakdown. Not a lot of plays on today's card. Uh, a lot of tough numbers, a lot of close numbers. I'm close to, we'll watch the numbers in the morning, um, but may not have a lot of action in play. But a few, three, in fact, features bets on Dalvin Cook's landing spot next year. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you can make some money. Hope we can all make some money. And hope you have a great day in sports betting. 